You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. So, just a little heads up to everybody on this episode. Throughout the week, we were discussing in our group chat about, like, the podcast and this week's episode. And Lou suddenly sends us a screenshot of something that just says, Tentacles. I mean, there was other text in there, you just couldn't read what it was. Tentacles. Tentacles. But tentacles. I mean, there are tentacles involved. Should should we be worried? Is this is this a is this a thing that we have to be worried about? I mean, Sh- should I be concerned? That depends on how you feel about tentacles in general. Like in general, if they're concerning to you, then maybe. But if they are perhaps enticing or titillating, then you should be excited. I I, I feel like you're describing yourself. No, I'm not. I'm not. Or Nixus, at the very least. Listen. Nixus being the uh, gnome witch that Lewin plays in our Pathfinder campaign. Listen, it was one time in that one fight. And you constantly collect body parts. I'm worried about Nixus. That has nothing to do with tentacles. She's right there. I mean, true. I was just saying that as a segue into me being worried about Nixus. You're not worried about Nixus. You want to kill Nixus. You're trying to kill Nixus right now. I plead the fifth. <laughs> you're going to kill Nixus tonight, or you're going to try your damnedest. So so in case that wasn't uh, obvious, Lewin is in charge of this week's episode, and it has something to do with tentacles, and I don't even know what's going to happen now. Or the fact that we're going in a pattern. Well, that may they may not have been clear yet, but... And I, I wouldn't say it's, like, hardwired. Like, if one week I have a lot of stuff to do and one of you has a really good idea, like... The pattern fair. might deviate from a time little to bit. time. And it is only my second episode, so... Never mind. I'm so excited. Yay. Yay. You should be. You um, shouldn't be concerned. You should be excited. I am concerned, but only because I'm always a little bit concerned coming in to here when I've not done the research. On the flip side, very concerned when I have done the research. Exactly. It's it's worse. It's like worse because when when like I haven't done it, I come in and I'm like, oh hey, my my friend is gonna tell me lots of cool things about this this aspect of Dungeons and Dragons. But then like when I'm doing the research, like I literally feel like I'm about to go give like an oral presentation at school. But like more fun, but yeah. still it's the same sort of like anxiety. Yeah. Oh, and an update from uh last week's episode as well. We have now had four of our soundproofing tiles fall off of the ceiling, so we're going to have to figure out a new way to uh, put those up. Well, I put one on the wall over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, there there are indeed four. Yeah. <laughs> Three of them are currently sitting in one of our uh, our buddy's uh, spaces where he sits when we play Pathfinder, so we're going to have to clean that up. For, any, <laughs> for anyone interested in starting a podcast and soundproofing, it's fun. Especially when you're trying to avoid pr- putting holes in your wall. Even more fun. We'll and figure that out. The Lewin. most fun. When Lewin. You have- 
Travis. Give us what you have. I have. That was uncomfortable. Well, I, yeah, no, it was actually hmm. kind of uncomfortable. I was going to, like, go with it, but then you had to point out that it was I, I got uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Okay, so the wording was a little off there. <laughs> Lou and regale us with your tail. That was actually kind of uncomfortable, too. Okay, Like, you. it put too much just, pressure on just me. Just fucking get to it. <laughs> this week, our topic is Aboleths. Aboleths? Aboleths. Aboleths. Which, um, like when I discovered Strahd uh, a couple weeks ago... I did not really have any prior knowledge about these guys. I was just kind of scrolling, looking right. for something cool to talk about. And I thought to myself, like, you know, a few weeks ago, I did, like, this this villain that was, like, you know, really iconic. And so I was like, this week, I think I'm just going to go with a good old-fashioned monster. And the image that I saw for Abeles seemed to fit that description. But... That was not what I got at all. At this point, if you are not driving, feel free to pull out your phone and Google what Aboleths look like. They look great. Uh, paint me a word picture of what an Aboleth looks like. Well, they their design has adapted a little bit, you know, over the additions, because these guys are pretty old, too. Okay. Um, but usually, well, I say usually, across pretty much all editions, they're portrayed as these... Roughly 20 to 30 foot long eel creatures that horrifying. are kind of like a like a light greenish blue. And then on the front part of their body where like their their head is, they're like these, I believe, usually four tentacles that kind of sprout like a not like a beard, but, you know, like that kind of like, right, like whiskery. Like, yeah, like they're coming like off of their face. Yeah, sort of. Situation And then, like, hmm. they, across editions, have, like, a differing number of eyes. Or, like, most recently in 5th edition, they have this gigantic lamprey-looking mouth thing. Uh-huh. It's pretty gross. That's... Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, kind of looking through uh, through these pictures, they look really interesting. They actually kind of remind me of, like, um, old paintings of, like, Japanese mythos. Yeah, they do. They look like Japanese sea creatures. They do. They, they totally do. <laughs> well, my, my first thought was actually, like, <clears throat> these... Subnautica-looking motherfuckers. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, I could see one of those fitting in really well. Um, It's a good game. Love to play it someday. Is Subnautica taking place in the D&D universe? Discuss. No. Uh, Our our episode is taking a hard turn into into that crossover. Into fan fiction. (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll let the fan fiction... Write itself. Write itself. All right, guys. Tag me in your fan fiction. Oh, God. No. Fan fiction? That is what you said. Did you just say fin fiction? I did. Oh God, Travis, get out! I'm I'm gonna stand up so you can get out. I of want the realm. you to know that I'm keeping that moment of silence in the episode so that everyone can feel your shame. That that moment of silence scared me though because I was like, <laughs> it like is is one of us gonna break and be like, no, that was stupid. We have to go back and delete what Travis just said nope. and then try to redo the whole thing. Stupid things are just a thing. It's just going to stay it's, there. It's part of our brand. It's important. Anyway, um, I should probably get into uh, more about these guys. But if you are in a position where you can safely do so, um, I would I would recommend that you look up what these guys look like because they look great. They're very they're very pretty, but in a spooky way. And the the what attracted me to them that sounds really bad. Oh dear. <laughs> is that they looked as as a topic What intrigued you? Intrigued me. Thank you. 
to sort of them as a topic is that they look very bestial, but they're actually not, which we'll get into in a minute. Okay. Um, first, I'm going to talk about their kind of their origins. So their first appearance was in 1981 in a campaign module called Dwellers of the Forbidden City. Um, though I actually am not entirely sure in what capacity they showed up um, because the mo- the module introduced a lot of other really like iconic villainous Dungeons and Dragons races. Um, right. And there was a, a heavy emphasis on like the political strife between these races going on in the titular Forbidden City. So I'm not actually sure entirely what capacity they were involved because I didn't want to have to write an episode on Dwellers of the Forbidden City. So I was just like, okay, they were there. Yet. Maybe later. Also, we should probably be careful about writing episodes about campaign settings just so we don't, like, spoil things in case someone wants to play it later and they happen to listen to this. I mean, like, just a general spoiler warning is fine, I think. I mean, that's true. Mostly, I don't want to have to go buy the campaign module to get all the information. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. They do have cheaper (laughs) PDF versions, though, just for anyone out there. If you uh, want to purchase campaign modules, you can find them for cheaper in a PDF format. God, and looking up, I will say, though, looking up sometimes, like, campaign modules to find, like, general information about this stuff has made me been like... Wow, I really want to play in this campaign module. <laughs> Me too. Like the Ravenloft and like the Curse of Straw and stuff. I was like, man, I really want to play in this a little bit. We might have to delve into the Curse of Straw and like on our own personal yeah. game just to see what it's like. Maybe do a one shot of that yeah. or something. <laughs> one shot, one shot. Anyway, um, so uh, when was this book? 1981. 1981. Okay, so yeah, they are pretty old and very early in on... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the Dungeons and Dragons second edition, right? Um, they, I believe late that is first, late first edition. Oh wow, yeah. late first, early second, mm-hmm. maybe, but I think late first at this point. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, we'll get all the timelines time figured, out. figured out. And, and the uh, the theme of Aboleths being ancient actually carries through into their involvement in kayfabe. I'm going to take a second to talk about their involvement in Pathfinder just real quick because I feel like it would be interesting, especially to us the fact that we run a Pathfinder campaign. I know this isn't a Pathfinder podcast, but I'm going to talk about it for a sec. Um, in Pathfinder, the Aboleths were apparently responsible for most of the like pre-recorded history goings-on. Really? In the main world of Pathfinder. What? So they like, kind of pulled the strings? They, they were pulling the strings, um, and they had a hand in the, I guess, like, evolution and societal uprising of a lot of the humanoid races because they use them as slaves. That's crazy. Yeah, no, and a lot of, like, the ruins that, like, dot the continent, or I guess the entire world, were old, like, Aboleth cities. What the So these aren't just mere, like, creatures to fight. These things are sentient and smart. And they're, very powerful. And very powerful. They're, they're, I would say, much less a species and a lot more a race. Okay. Um, okay. See, I was, like, in my head, I was like, okay, it's a kind of species creature. No. No. These things are old and powerful. And, sp- and intelligent. And I am very intrigued. It's spooky. <laughs> um, so in there, I just want to talk about that for a minute because I thought that was really amusing. Since we run a Pathfinder campaign, yeah. yeah. I oh, mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that's canon to what you're doing, right? Travis, I mean, but it's not necessarily. I don't know. To be honest, I haven't got that far as to the actual creation of this world. <laughs> this is just me saying I want you to put these creatures in the campaign. Okay. 
<laughs> I don't, actually. I would not want to fight one of these things. We'll uh, talk about what fighting one of them would be like later. So, are they similarly intelligent in Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, they are. Um, this this bit that I'm about to read was detailed in the uh, 2001 uh, Supplemental Material Manual of the Plains 3rd Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, the Aboliths originally came from the Far Realm, which is described as a series of shifting layers that are like parallel to each other but not touching Um, and they all sort of portray these like strange otherworldly scenes and they like shift and merge and separate without warning Um, and also that apparently people from outside the far realms who find themselves within there somehow usually go insane if I'm not mistaken, the Far Realms is where Beholders come from as well. I believe so. Because Beholders are aberrant Ooh. creatures also. Yes. Yeah, that's where the majority of aberrant creatures come from. That's really interesting. Is from the Far Realms. Um, so they were stated hmm. to have, quote unquote, long ago, not sure how long, long ago was. Um, perhaps to, prehistory. Perhaps very, uh, yeah, definitely prehistory. Um, Aboleths migrated to the Prime Material Plane where they mostly settled in the Underdark. Um, but you could find them in, like, lots of, like, underground, underwater areas because they are m- mostly aquatic-based creatures. They favor that sort of environment. That sort of environment. Um, though they are amphibious. They can breathe air and water. But, you know, just looking at them, obviously, they're built to be more in water. Right. Yeah, because their physical appearance definitely seems to be more suited for swimming and... Well, just water in general. Yeah. They look like... Kind of like, like a salamander. They can walk around on the water, but or on the land, but it's better if they're by the water. They, right. can, they can walk around on land at a speed of 10 feet. Oh. So they're, they're a little... They're slower than gnomes. Yeah, they are slower than Nixus. I yeah. believe their swim speed is 60 feet, though. Oh. That, that, that is a pretty good swim speed, It's though. either 60 or 40, which 40 swim speed is still pretty good. Oh, yeah. Still faster than, I think, just the average human? Uh, what size are they? <clears throat> um, I believe their size category is huge, or perhaps gi- gar- gigantuan is what I almost said. Gargantuan. Gigantuan. Um, ironically, I don't remember their size category, but I do remember the fact that, on average, they are about 20 feet long. Okay, that, that helps. That puts them at about huge. I pulled up their thing for Pathfinder, since you said that, and it was Curiosity, and they're labeled as huge in Pathfinder, okay. so they're probably still roughly the same in the in, rest, I would assume. I Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pull it up, because you have all the notes, but... <laughs> I should I should have saved their stat sheet instead of just part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, obviously, given the, the, the history about them, these are very intelligent creatures, but not only are they intelligent, they're also practitioners of what's called psionics. Oh. Yeah. You guys know what psionics is, I'm assuming, based yep. on your reaction? Vaguely, yes. All right. Well, for, for you know, anyone who doesn't know right offhand, um, psionics is described as being essentially mind magic, um, falling into some, like, practice categories such as telepathy and psychokinesis, where instead of, like, conventional sources of magic in the Dungeons & Dragons universe... Their abilities come from the strength of the user's mind. So it's essentially like ESP. So instead of knowledge and blood and divine energies and things like that, it's... It's it's literally from the creature's own brain. Psionics Jeez. are fairly powerful, too. 
We've had very brief conversations about psionics with one of our coworkers. That's right. And yeah, they're generally pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And while like psionic abilities, you know, there there's the advantage in the fact that psionic abilities do not use spell components. Um, they generally like operate a lot quicker than like arcane or divine magic. They also require like mental discipline and often training to use, which is true for Abeleths. Right. But they all naturally have the ability to use psionic powers, which is pretty dope. Yeah, I'll say. In addition to having their natural psionic abilities, they also, you know, what is arguably an even more like iconic feature of theirs is that they secrete a mucus from like a few special organs on their body that diseases anything that's caught within it. Um, and what this disease does to the target is it takes away their ability to breathe air. Okay. Um, oh. And it like it actually That's like not good. It's not good, and it like transforms the skin into like a permeable membrane that you breathe water through. So I'm assuming abelets breathe water water in the same way through their skin. Okay. Which like some real life animals do. Right. So okay, this mucus basically transforms a creature into. A water creature, Basically. more or less. Like, they, they can't breathe air, and suddenly they can breathe water through their skin. Yes. So, so it's not instant death, it's just now you have to be in water all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So not only does this, this change, you know, how the target breathes, it also produces this effect in their, in their psyche that makes them compliant and, and easily subjugated, which is how... Over the years, they had so many slaves. Okay. So they would enslave these diseased creatures. Oftentimes, there were a couple of races, well, I think one in particular that I read about, that were more or less known for being Aboleth slaves. Oh. Like, they would would basically enslave them by making them compliant with their diseased body fluids. And then, yeah, I would assume they would probably, like, breed them and stuff. It was probably pretty gross. But there was basically a race that was known for just broad spectrum being Aboleth slaves. That's uncomfortable. So, given that, are they lawful evil? Uh, I believe they Or would they be, like, lawful neutral? They are considered evil. Okay, Um, so maybe they're just neutral evil, maybe, then? They're... Lawful evil or neutral evil. I've okay. seen both, like, across editions. I believe in the most recent, they are lawful evil. Okay, so... They're not good. I mean, no, no they're definitely not good with the whole enforced in slavery with you can't breathe air anymore, and then... Mind control. Mind control and breeding and... Uh, yeah, that's all very uncomfortable. I mean, to be fair, the the breeding comment was a personal note of mine. I mean, but you're probably right. But when when an entire when like an entire race was known to be yeah m- mostly subjugated by the abolites, you could assume that they were doing that. Right now, whether they the abolites were forcing them to breed or it was just like a natural thing, either way, they're keeping them alive for this purpose for being mm-hmm. slaves. I mean, something that predates. History. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, aboleths themselves could breathe both air and water. Right. Um, so they would not be beholden to that limitation. They're, they're not bound like their slaves are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, another yeah. really fascinating thing about these guys 
is that every Aboleth is born with a genetic racial memory. Really? So upon birth, every Aboleth knows everything that every other one has ever known. What the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, so even a, a newborn Aboleth is like a formidable predator because it's already very intelligent. So the longer an Aboleth generation like goes the more powerful they could be because they'll know all the previous knowledge before them. And then when they learn something new, their spawn will know some, will know that and everything else. Yes. Holy hell. These things are ridiculous. They not only receive this knowledge from their own, like genetic racial memory. They also consume the memories of creatures that they, um, just that they eat, I guess. That's insane. Okay. So born with knowledge can gain knowledge from eating other creatures. other creatures. And it's it's cool the way that it's described that it's stored. That basically, because if you look up, you can see that in a lot of portrayals, their bodies are like semi-transparent. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, their brain actually grows as they age. And oh. it basically extends down like their spinal column as they oh. age. Yeah, it's so pretty cool. It, it's like if humans were like to create different synapses down the spinal yeah. Spinal cord, that's crazy. Yeah, no, and it looks pretty cool. They actually can age into infinity. Oh. They do not die. Oh. Um, barring disease or, like, physical trauma. So, lobsters. Yes. By age alone, they won't die. Yeah, they won't die. So, if 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 a singular abolus decided to just fuck off to some really deep part of the ocean where nothing's going to attack it and just chill, it would not die. Jesus. There could theoretically be like the very one of the very first Abolus in existence still alive. We'll get to that. Oh. It's funny, it's funny you should mention that. We'll get to that. Um so with hmm. the fact that they can't die and with their unique genetic memory, they're they're a very self centered race. So one of their naturally, favorite, I naturally, mean, yeah. I'm a, you, you might get the idea just from what I've described that they would be a self-centered race. But it's still helpful that you described it. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. But um, one of their favorite pastimes is to just chill and relive memories of their ancestors. So like if there was maybe a really famous Aboleth that did something, they'll literally just float around in, in the ocean and or just and just relive. Remember, rel- They'll just daydream. They'll just daydream. Okay, I know that they're evil and assholes. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty awesome. That evoke like that just evokes a really like pleasing image to me. It does. Like like float along, just remembering ancestors, pasts, and it's just it feels very serene, right? Yeah, yeah. Like caring about anything. Man, that'd be so cool. I want to meet a nice Abeleth. I would love to meet a nice Abeleth. Do they exist? I mean, I'm sure they do. I mean, good drow exists. I have to imagine well, that that's fair. the opposite of any an evil elves and exist. Exactly. So I have to imagine that an op- there's an opposite to every, like, typically the there's race ex- trays this way, but... Yeah. Like, there are lawful elves, and there are good drow, and there are good so abeleths. I pose hopefully. a question, then. Uh-huh. Could that be something that an abeleth could share with the share memory spell? I don't know if Ableths are capable of using. Well, if someone our, our used can- it on them. Oh. oh. Could they get a oh. memory shared by the Abolith 
well, from like their ancestor. Aboleths could actually probably do that with their psionic abilities. Because sure. I'm assuming I didn't read too much into psionics because again, could be its own episode. Right. But I'm assuming that that would fall into the purview of like a telepathic ability. I would imagine so, yeah. Oh, I need to meet a nice so, Aboleth. Like, now I'm just thinking in like a storytelling sense of like describing this memory that that they have they would have it, it would feel so real to the outside like observer that would be insane that would be pretty great oh man um i really I, I mean most like memory gets muddled with everyone like i like you remember something from a few weeks ago and there's already a bunch of it that's lost right mm-hmm. but i mean with that kind of intense genetic memory you have to imagine that it's in perfect detail yeah exactly as it happened like no Mm -hmm. doubt so that that would be amazing that would be crazy i would love that Mm -hmm. um so i mentioned a minute ago that they don't die correct of of old age um the other not exception i guess exception sort of to this is they can enter a state that is called long dreaming. And this happens when their ability to produce their weird mucus is stopped somehow. Like maybe if, you know, they get in a fight and the organ is damaged or if they are out of the water for too long, they'll dry up. Uh Um, And basically they sort of, it's not like a cocoon, but they sort of dry up and form like this hard waterproof membrane around their body. And basically like they can't move. So they enter a state of suspended animation that's called the long dreaming. And in like their society, it's considered like a fate worse than death. Oh, oh. because it's it's sort of I think part of it is because it's like it's representative of failure in a way. Right. Like, if you're going to get yourself in a position where this happened to you, you might as well just fucking die. Right. It's like, it's like dying without honor. Yeah. Like, the actual honor of dying. Yeah. And plus, I imagine that even if they might be a species that's, like, you know, prone to, like, daydreaming, I imagine it would be very unpleasant to have nothing else to do but lay there and just think about stuff. And just, like, relive all of these memories over and over and over, especially if it, like, ends up being in a place where no one's going to really find you. Yeah. Then you're going to eventually run out of memories. Yeah. Like, you're going to... You're going to replay the same ones over and over and over. I I can see why they feel that way. Is there a way for them to come out of this? Um... It, it described that if this membrane is pierced, they'll start secreting fluid. But they said that usually they just die after that because, you know, they've been... They, they eventually die of, like, malnourishment and things like that. You know, I'm not sure, actually, if they need to eat. But just that if, if, it, if an aboleth has been put into a position where it has entered that long dreaming state, it's probably on its way out anyway. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that does sound kind of like... A fate worse than death when you just think about when having you think to it, that sounds horrifying. Yeah. Live the same thing for, I'm uh, guessing, however long for eternity. A yeah. few centuries before they die, maybe. I don't even know how long it would take for them to die after that, but that would be horrible. Like being able to remember things whenever you want, great, but remembering things over and over and over when you can't stop it. 
Yeah, that's a that's little bad. rough. Yeah, it it sounds like terrible. In fact, like I I thought that when like when I was reading about these guys that they were just like interesting. But, like, the more and more I talk about them, I'm like, man, I know they're lawful evil, but, like, these guys what are is? great. And they're kind of, like, not not sympathetic, but, like, if it, like to think of myself being in that position, I'm like, oh, God, that sounds terrible, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that does sound pretty bad. Okay, so I guess there's always a downside, but damn. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I guess it's pretty cool, like, if you're an abolith who doesn't get themselves into trouble not being able to die. Right. Or, well, rather, not having to die is pretty cool. Yes. Knowing that you're not just going to die from old age. Yeah. Yeah, they don't really, sh- they probably don't struggle with, like, morta- like the sense of mortality until, like, they're, like, about to be killed by something. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, shit. So uh, we talked a lot about how, you know, they, they function physiologically and sort of like a little bit of a delve into their psyche. So we're going to take an ad break now. And when we come back, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some Aboleth history and culture. And also that really ancient Aboleth that Travis mentioned. Uh, that, that Can we know. just like skip the ad break for this episode and just go to that? No. No? Okay. We can't skip the ad break. All right, fine. We'll be back. Quickly. Exactly. Ha Hey, everybody. Going to take a quick minute to plug our social media. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Dungeonpedia. We post updates. We retreat funny D&D related stuff. Have a good time over there. Uh, we also do have a Tumblr that we use, dungeonpedia.tumblr.com. We post, at this point, mostly just our episode updates, but we're working on... Transcripts when they transcripts. will become available. The... Uh. the And we'll let you know on Twitter and on Tumblr when the transcripts are available. Yeah. Um, If you have any suggestions or comments or anything on what we could do or a topic we could discuss, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Remember to rate us and subscribe to us wherever you listen or are able to rate us because most applications don't have that kind of ability. But iTunes is really good for that. A lot of people will actually check iTunes for that kind of thing. Reviews would be awesome. Thank you for everything that we've received so far. Remember to tell your friends, spread the word, help us get ourselves out there. And a big thank you to Alexander Nakarada for the theme song that we use for the podcast called Blacksmith. Good song. It's a good song. It is a very good song. I enjoy it. Yes. And thank you again so much. And back to the podcast. So we talked a lot about how Aboleths function physiologically and kind of as individuals, um, which leads me into a, a good foundation for talking about their sort of society. Take me to the ancient being. Yes, I will, I will take you to the ancient being, Travis. Patience. Patience. <laughs> Patience was a skill I had to learn during the Vecna episode. When you wouldn't tell me about his goddamn eye and his goddamn arm for like an hour. Hand. hand. Technically. I thought it was like his forearm. No, it's his left hand. Oh. It attaches to the forearm. I was imagining it being like part of his forearm this entire time. I mean, I suppose it could be. Either way. Ancient Continue. being. Go. I will take you to the ancient being. All right, fine. In due but time. First, we will talk about the aboliths at large as they are ancient beings. Most so. of them. Often. So a lot of their their sort of like 
societal and like cultural beliefs are rooted in the idea that they consider themselves to be superior. Right. You know, obviously, which isn't just which I feel like is a complex that a lot of like fantasy races end up like getting. They believe they're superior because of one reason or another. Like, yeah, like I can think of like a million fantasy races that have that kind of they're smarter. They're more elegant. They're more technologically advanced. That second one was directed at elves. Yes. Uh, they have more in common with their ancestors than other sub-races have in common with their ancestors. Et cetera, et cetera. But theirs yeah. is specifically rooted in their the fact that they are so ancient. Okay. Um, because they were there existing in the prime material plane before a lot of humanoid races that are considered to be very prominent even evolved. And this also leads into um, something that was uh, included in a piece of supplemental material from 2005. It's called Lords of Madness, the Book of Aberrations, which states that the Aboleths largely do not worship any gods, specifically because a lot of them remember a time before any of these gods even existed. They predate gods. They predate a lot of gods. They predate gods. They predate a lot of gods. Well, then... Okay. So even if the they maybe the individual aboleth themselves does not predate whatever god that might be a really powerful force that somebody else worships, they remember a time before that god even existed. Be- yeah, because of all their ancestors. Because memory. of their ancestors. Um, Jesus. So basically, they have no respect for anybody else. So everyone is basically ants. To to them, it's we're older than everything. Shut up. Yeah. So they they they're very like like self centered and they they feel superior, right? We're you older, know. so we're better. Exactly, specifically because of their um, their age. Things were fine before these gods existed. Why do we need them now? <laughs> back Where? in back in my day. Back in my day. We back didn't in my have day. No stinking god of the hunt. We went and hunted ourselves in the ocean, and it was raining <laughs> uphill both ways. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh! I need to meet a hick, Abeleth. Also, yes. oh Lord. <laughs> so it uh, it seems to me this was never explicitly stated, but based on what a lot of the material I was reading about them said, sort of suggested that a lot of Abeleths really did just kind of go and fuck off and do their own thing, just like swim around in the ocean. They were content to think about stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they did form. Groups often, I say often, like on occasion, on occasion, they would group together in these units that were called broods um, and they were headed by overseers and also usually uh, accompanied by a fair number of slaves. Mm -hmm. And they actually what's what's interesting to me, which I think counteracts also the sort of bestial image I had of them. Like at first, when I first like saw an image of them, uh-huh. is that they are actually like I wouldn't say good parents, but they're like parents, kind of. They're like caring parents. Yeah, they they accompany their their children. Well, as a I guess a basis for this, um, all Aboleths uh, possess both male and female reproductive organs, and they are oviparous, which means they lay eggs. If you don't know what that means, um, and they reproduce every five or so years. And their children stay with them in their brood or maybe just kind of swimming around with their parent for about a decade before they go off and do their own thing. 
Um, and it does sound like it's a little bit more of like a stricter relationship than I mean, like a lot of you know, than you might think of a parent as being. But like they they're not deadbeat parents. <laughs> but to be fair, they really don't have to be hands on parents when you're born with all the memories of your ancestors. You know, that's a good point. So that is kind of like an extra thing that you wouldn't like think about. You wouldn't expect. It might just be that they, they're parents in the sense of like, they'll help protect them because they're probably smaller when they're born. Yeah. But they still know how to hunt. They know all the stuff that their ancestors did. It's just, they have to get to the size to hunt the things that their parents hunt. That's true. That's hmm. what I would think. So and I, I mean, think it's, it's it's interesting both for the kayfabe things about abelettes and also like how a lot of oviparous animals in our world that, are. That's exactly what I was thinking of because like um, I believe snakes don't uh, Not take at care large. Of, they don't. No. Most snakes don't take care of their young. Most fish don't take care of their young. Most reptiles don't in general. Yeah, it's kind of just. Lay egg, hatch, survive. It's pretty much almost exclusively birds that yeah. lay eggs and take care of their young. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they don't really have to be great parents in this case because they're like, you already know how to hunt. You just can't hunt what we do. Yeah, that might be it. So maybe they're just there to stop their little squidling things from getting eaten by a shark. They're not squids. I said squidling thing. <laughs> they're not squidling. Well, they have tentacles. They're like... Eel. They're like squid eels. Squid eels. Squeals. 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 <laughs> they are squeals. Squeals. Oh, I kind of like it. So are they squealings? Hmm. hmm. Continue I on. Don't, I don't think that they would like to be called that. I I'm, think they would find it kind of insulting. I mean, probably. you're probably right, and I really don't want to piss off an Abeloth. No, you really don't. Abeloth. Abel. Uh, Abeloth <laughs> is something else entirely, I believe. Maybe not even in the D&D setting. I might be getting my fantasy shit crossed over anyways anyway are you confusing your fantasies taylor oh 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 so they had i would imagine that a lot of like most of the population of abelettes kind of existed in these broods or had just like gone off to do their own thing but there was actually a notable group of of abelettes abelettes excuse me that formed and they were called the abelethic sovereignty which is just, like, a really cool name, I feel like. Like, I feel like that sounds really cool. Yeah, like, sovereignty. 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 Um, and this this group of abelettes was housed in the city of, I cannot, I have no idea how to pronounce this. Can I see? It is spelled X-X-I-P-H-U. X-X-I-P-H-U. And when I googled... Zizafu. When I googled this word pronunciation, I the first link was a forum post that was like six discrete, completely different pronunciations. I would almost think it would be like Zifu. That Z-Zifu. that was what I was thinking it was like Zifu or Zifu. Or Zifu. But I know a lot of people like to do different things with an X at the beginning of a word. Okay. Well, you've spelled it out for the audience. Pick a pronunciation that you like and stick with it. <laughs> Zifu is what's I have, how I've been pronouncing it in my head. So it's Zifu. Zifu. Which, like, in and of itself is is crazy to me because it looks like an alien word. Yeah, it does. It looks and even, like, the way I've seen people pronounce it different ways looks and sounds like a very alien word. It, it does, does not... It sounds like something out of a sci-fi. It instead does. Of, instead, instead of, of a fantasy. A fantasy-based. And there hmm. were lots of... I say lots. There were, like... Yeah, no, there were probably lots of cities like this. 
and they were all like strange in their construction. They were shaped like obelisks, kind of. Huh. And specifically the city of Zifu that housed the abolithic sovereignty. The top of this obelisk was where the eldest rested. Ooh. Like a dragon on top of a mountain. Yes. The eldest. Which is the ancient abolith that we were talking about. Um, it was never confirmed nor denied whether he was actually, I say he, they refer to him as a he, but. They're kind of hermaphroditic. Yeah, yeah. And they're thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. I'm pretty sure they're pretty far removed from that as a concept. But yeah, um, they're like otherworldly. Yeah. But I guess they still say he just as a. Cause yeah. He was a, he formality. was a, he was a powerful fantasy creature. In the 80s, that wasn't inherently sexual, so it was a he. So it was I a mean, he. You're, you know? you're right. Like, let's be real. I mean, that's fair. They did have a lot of. I mean, just the 80s in general yeah. had a lot of sexism. Yeah, a lot of sexism going on yeah. there. Yeah, he, he was a fantasy creature that did not have his tits out, so. <laughs> tentacles out. He did have his tentacles out. Sun's out, tentacles out. Anyways, I don't. so the eldest one. <laughs> He was often, like, it was never exactly confirmed, but thought to be the progenitor of the aboleths that existed in Toril. Mm-hmm. So he was, like, the oldest, eldest, <laughs> <laughs> and the head of the aboleth. Oh, my goodness. When I, I can say aboleth, but when I start to say abolethic, it, it gets harder for some reason. The head of the abolethic sovereignty, which everything that they did could be, like, its own episode. Really? Like, there was a whole link to, like... However, many years before this, you know, the city existed, you know, underneath the ground. And then the, you know, prime material plane got split in half by something else. And then it went over here and the Abolets hibernated and then they woke up. There was a whole bunch of stuff. But more or less, the Abolethic sovereignty spent a long time in the city of Zifu in hibernation. Uh-huh. And then when they woke up, decided that their goal was to bring their masters from the far realms into Toril. Oh my god. And basically they just fucked a bunch of shit up for a long what time. What the hell? So, see, th- this this is what I mean whenever I talk about the fact that you can look at something and be like, okay, there's probably a little bit of information here and when you look into it, there's like a whole other society that you would have never even known about had you exactly. not looked into this. There were so many through lines that like I could have spent more time reading about but could comprise through an episode. Like, psionics and the far realms and the actions of the abolithic oh my goodness abolithic sovereignty <laughs> it's like it is a weird word it's it like is. i'm trying to meld the two words Our, together abolithic abolithic i implore any of you guys to try to say that out loud five times it, five. it's it's difficult it's a difficult <laughs> word and then once you finally get comfortable with it attach sovereignty which sovereignty is just a good word. It is a good word, but I feel like just the mouth, <laughs> like sound combinations, make it difficult to abolithic sovereignty. But yeah, and the, these cities are kind of where we get into the aspect of like that. A lot of ruins that you would find dotted in places were actually old aboleth structures. Okay. Um, and another one that uh, I will I will clarify and I will put this out there that I could not find a proper citation um, for if this is real or not. I okay. did find it listed in multiple places, but none of them I would consider like an official source, but I'm including it because I really want it to be true, <laughs> was that there was a um, an Aboleth city that existed in the Glimmer Sea in the Underdark called, wait for it, Shape of Water. Oh my god! That sounds amazing. I love that movie. The city... Of shape of water. Also, 
I'm just going to say it. I do want that movie, except with an abolith the, instead of the fish. The man. Shape of Water. Have with you a, seen that movie? I have not. It's, it's seen, a good movie. And I want it with an abolith, like a human woman. Yeah. Uh, just a quick run through. It's basically a movie about a sea creature that's used by the government. Like they're researching the sea creature and a mute woman goes and they fall in love and she rescues him and it's beautiful. And sounds a little strange, but sure. It, I could see that with an abolith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if, if anyone wants to produce that movie, tweet me. Tweet us at Dungeonpedia. Or just, like, if anyone wants to, like, give Luan a birthday present, it's going to be fan fiction of this for her. <laughs> or fan art. I'll accept fan art. Yeah. We'll always accept fan art. <laughs> well, I mean, what do mm, we have to make fan I'm gonna art? I'm going to retract that statement. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I feel like we don't we don't have that much to make fan art of. Like, because I did... It, it's, it's literally just D&D fan art. And also, like, I did just make a joke about the Aboleth version of the Shape of Water film. <laughs> Oops. But I just, I really hope that that is an actual city. And I did find what looked to be like a rip of a um, campaign module that mm-hmm. featured Shape of Water as an area. But again, it looked like a rip and not something that I would officially endorse. Right. So I think it's true, but I'm not 100% sure. You're going to have to look more into that just for my own personal knowledge. Right. I'm going to tweet it out if it is true. <laughs> Maybe I can include that city into our next campaign. Oh, my God. Oh, man. The one that will actually... Oh, I would be actually kind of frightened, though, to explore an Aboleth city. Because they're they're frightening creatures. They, they are. are incredibly frightening. Um, Yeah, like, I would not want to fight. I, I wouldn't want to interact with one at all. Like, especially, like... Early on in a campaign, it would feel, feel terrifying. Unless they're a good Aboleth. Then True. I would love to interact with one of them because just that, that like wealth of knowledge. They have to have had, even if they didn't personally experience, just the knowledge of so many experiences of history. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine like if they had a collection of like tomes and scrolls of just like the knowledge that they, them and their ancestors collected? Jeez, like... I mean, any person, any squabbles like uh, of like different races and stuff could be settled. Like, nope, this is what actually happened. <laughs> Turns out you're both wrong. And Aboleth just pulling out the receipts. Exactly. <laughs> oh gosh, mm. Travis, can I play an Aboleth in the next campaign? We'll discuss later. <laughs> Probably not. I just like shimmying on land at <laughs> ten feet per six seconds. I'm coming, guys. Sure, and I'm you, coming. you have to carry a bucket of water with you too. Otherwise, <laughs> guys, come back and water me. I need someone to water me. Moisturize me. Moisturize oh my God. me. <laughs> We're cutting. And that your out. name has to be Cassandra. No. <laughs> and another thing that I find really interesting about the Abolus, all I'm thinking about, like how terrible it would be to fight one of these things, because not only. Do they have their terrible mucus clot ability that causes you to not be able to breathe air? Um, they also like, you know, they're they're a physically powerful, powerful thing in, in the water. Right. They're, they're disadvantaged on land, obviously, because they can't move as quickly and they will eventually dry up. Right. But like, you know, in the water, like they have they can attack with their tentacles. And like in fifth edition, they got that terrible lamprey looking mouth. I think I pronounced yeah. it lamprey earlier. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. Lamprey, whatever. Someone will tweet at you. Lamprey. Yeah, someone will tweet at us to correct all of our mispronunciations. It's fine. After they're done correcting me on how to pronounce Zifu. 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 (laughs) But they also have this really interesting ability that I sort of, like, wish they, they explained more because I feel like this could be the through line to how they absorb the memories from things that they consume 
is with an ability called probing telepathy, which is described as um, if a creature tries to communicate telepathically with the Aboleth, the Aboleth immediately learns the creature's greatest desires if they're within line of sight. And I feel like I wish that was explored a little more in anything I could find, because I feel like that is the through line of how they absorb. Yeah, they absorb memories from from things that they consume. If we get too far off topic, let me know. But could an Avaleth potentially be a patron for a warlock? Um, I actually had that thought earlier whenever we were talking about how old they were and everything. And potentially, I feel like it could be. Especially with the psionic powers and the mind affecting and all of this. I Mm -hmm. feel like it probably easily could be a Patreon of some sort. Patreon? 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 Wow. That's the second time you've made that mistake. Yeah, Yeah, I, I have issues. It's fine. But I was thinking uh, as we as I was listening about like Aboleths and even if they don't canonically have the ability to grant like magics and things like that, the knowing someone's greatest desire thing, that is something that you could absolutely homebrew into an Aboleth patron. Yeah, like easily, especially given some of the like when you consider that some of them get into like these these very ancient aboleths mm-hmm. which also uh, interesting thing about ancient aboleths is that like at a certain point they advance in size right so they can actually be up to like 40 feet long oh just on average they're 20 feet long so they get Whoa. even bigger so like the eldest one is probably just massive yeah and the fact that I they I mean he he rested on top of the city of Zifu like on the very top uh, of the Oh obelisk. not even just like on a tower he was on the whole thing. The whole city. Jeez. Oh, yeah. See, in my mind, I was thinking, like, okay, he, like, lived <laughs> at the tower, highest point. And the, no, he lived on top. Like, literally, yeah. physically on... Oh, okay. And there were other, like, ancient aboleths with crazy names that are equally as... How do you pronounce that? As Zifu. But I could imagine that you could very much, like... Especially, I feel like their, their use of psionic powers also, because they're are races and creatures that have a proclivity towards using psionics. But there are also, like, documented humanoid races, like people within humanoid races that use psionics. Right. So it's an ability that can be taught. So maybe, like, a, a, a it could be, like, a patron who who taught someone to use it almost. Right. I feel like that could be a dynamic thing. And, I mean, happen. you have to think. They, a psionic warlock. They existed before the gods. It's possible anywhere that one of them could have just ascended to godhood when the gods started showing up. I mean, if Vecna can do it... Exactly. This is you true. Know. So, Man. it's possible. Hmm. Though, to be fair, I don't know if actually they would have much interest in being, like, a patron. It it depends. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned they are a selfish race. Mm-hmm. If they could get something out of it. That's true. Yeah. Even just their own amusement, really. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're very much like... And this is interesting because when I was reading a little bit about the Aboleth sovereignty, it said that they were actually, they were opposed by other Aboleths. They didn't detail in what capacity, but it didn't sound like they went to war with other Aboleths necessarily. But I think that a lot of other Aboleths at large sort of, like, they, they did believe themselves to be superior. This a little this is a little conjecture on my part, but they believe themselves to be superior but they were more interested in their own affairs. They right. didn't want to go and conquer things. They just wanted to do their own thing. Yeah, they they had grown out of their desire to be gods and but the but the abolethic sovereignty wanted to expand and command things. They wanted the worship. So, you know, like you could I feel like you could get an aboleth that might be interested in a setup like that. 
Even though a lot of them seem to be just very like, they kind of just want to do their own thing. Which is what's fascinating to me also, because they're so, they're so powerful and they have the perfect concoction, I think, to be this, these like megalomaniacal creatures that absolutely dominate the entire landscape, but they don't. Yeah, that is really interesting. They just kind of fuck off in the ocean. And daydream. And daydream. Daydream. Yeah, they could just kind of show up and be like, yeah, this city's ours. Sorry, guys. Bye. And dead. Just like scanners brain blast everybody. Right. I don't know if you can do that with psionics, but. I I don't know either, but I like to imagine it. But But no, they're just content to do their own thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So they have layers because, you know, on the outside you get this bestial, terrible looking sea creature. And then, oh, no, they're actually intelligent and like psychic. And then you think, like, you know, oh, they're these megalomaniacal bad guys. But then they're, like, just kind of interested in themselves. Yeah, not necessarily bad guys. I mean, they are in the sense of they have slaves and... They're evil. They're evil, but they don't roam around and just try to take over everything. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. So these guys are a lot more, like, keep the well keeps getting deeper. Yeah, very much so. Maybe maybe in the future I would be interested in doing an episode specifically on the Abolethic Sovereignty because they fucked up a lot of shit. And there were a lot more notable members than just the eldest. So that might be something we can revisit later. But for now, we really appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Tumblr, on whatever social media platform that you prefer that we are on. Uh, spread the word. It really helps, and we appreciate it so much. We've been we've been so thankful for everything we've received up to this point, and just thank you so much. We do still have the email address if you have any suggestions or comments that you want us to follow or look into. Feel free to email us. The email is dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. We will gladly look into anything you suggest. If it's interesting enough, we will definitely cover it. Please tell me if you want me to keep talking about tentacles. Don't tell her, please. There please. actually weren't a lot of tentacles in this There, there were a surprising, amount of, a surprising amount of not having tentacles. Was, please, please don't give her more tentacles. It was more about, like, psychic powers than tentacles. True. That's true. Right. Well, thank you once again for listening, and we will catch you next week right here on Dungeonpedia. Dungeonpedia.